this morning, I want us to turn to Genesis chapter 6 and look at the subject of Noah and the flood. Just in light of the baptismal service on Wednesday night and the importance that I think it is that we put our faith in Christ and enter the ark of his safety and salvation in Christ. The two verses I'd like to begin with is Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. What an amazing description of a society that it was only evil continually. And it broke out in violence and the breakdown of society was so severe that it grieved God that he had made man and he decided that, decided that he would now destroy the earth with a flood and, and have a new creation, new created order. Drop down to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 17. Genesis 6 verse 17, there we read, Behold, I will bring a flood of waters on the earth to destroy all flesh, and which is the breath of life under heaven, and everything on the earth will die. But, verse 18, I will establish my covenant with you, speaking to Noah, and you shall come into the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. If you look in almost any culture that has a written record, you will find some reference to a global flood. It's, it's amazing how that that is, seems to be a common history with every nation in the earth. And they, I think they're all trace, traceable back to this global flood in Noah's day. And one technical point uh, as we begin in verse 18, he says, I will, speaking to Noah, he says, I will establish my covenant with you and you will come into the ark, you and your sons and their wives and so on. Uh, the Hebrew word here for come, on occasion this is translated go. But it is consistently, especially in the King James Version, translated come. And you see also it's in verse 20 of the birds according to their kinds, animals according to their kinds, creeping things of the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come in to keep them alive. Now there, that's the same Hebrew word used up in verse 18. It's the word, uh, it's the Hebrew word bow, uh, spelled B-O-W, bow. Now in the English Standard Version, down this is down in verse, chapter 7, verse 1, it's the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark. 
In the King James Version, it's still come. Now, I think it's important for this reason. Um, if, we're, if we stay consistent, God is saying to Noah, come into the ark. If I'm in my house and I say, come in, where am I? See, I'm in there. I'm asking you to join me, to come in with me, right? Now, if I say, go in, where am I? I'm out here, and I'm asking you to go in there by yourself. What, so when I say here that this word come, is, it should be used consistently, and I'm a little baffled as to why that some of the versions have translated as go. Um, but to, you, to be used consistently means this, that God is inviting Noah and those who would join him to come to him. Come to me, Noah. Join me. Be with me. It has to do with the true invitation here is not just to get rescued, although that's part of it. When you come to God, you do get rescued. But God himself is the object of his invitation to Noah here. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse 20 and 21, um, and I, I think we have this, let me, 1 Peter 3, 20. Here's what the text says. God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, which a few, that is eight people, were brought safely through the water. The, the flood waters came. God's judgment came. But there were, those who were in the ark were brought safely out of the water, through the water, out of the water. Now here's what Peter says. This is the First uh, Peter three twenty one, and baptism, which corresponds to this, does now save you. Now my Church of Christ friends, they say, see. Baptism saves you. And I say to them, hey, I'm a Baptist. If I could join you, I would. But look at the next phrase. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Notice, not the removal of dirt. That is not external. The baptism that saves you is being brought through the judgments of God, out of the judgments of God, into a safe place, the ark in Noah's day. Now, baptism is a picture of that. The baptism that saves you is not the baptism that removes dirt, that is, literal water, but it is the transition from judgment to safety. In the New Testament, that's called being in Christ. The ark is Christ. Baptism's not the ark. Christ is the ark. 
We do not preach baptism, we preach Christ. Of which baptism pictures us coming out of judgment, judgment waters, into Christ. So that is why the ark of Noah is so important. Coming to Jesus Christ is like entering the ark. You come out of water, out of judgment. It's a transition. And the waters of God's judgment do not come upon you. They, you are brought out of them and out of the judgment of God. One other point here by way of introduction. The role of fear in this. Hebrews eleven seven again, talking about Noah, says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God concerning events yet unseen, in fear built an ark. In fear he built an ark. There is nothing wrong with fear of judgment. There's nothing wrong with um, a healthy reverence for God which says there is coming a day in which we will be dealt with and our sins will be accounted for. And I think that is one, if, if we could be so bold, that that is one of the missing essentials of today's message that we need to talk about a final judgment day that is coming. In Washington, D.C. some years ago, um, a problem developed with foreign embassies and their ambassadors and their support staff because so many of them disregarded parking tickets and citations, they would just park their big limousines everywhere and anywhere. And since Washington's full of them, it just created a huge log jam so that the parking ticket, park, the total amount that was owed to the city went over $7 million. <laughs> million $7 million owed. And why was that? Because there was immunity of, for diplomats. There's no accountability. There's no uh, reckoning day. I don't have to pay. And so therefore, they ran up the, the credit amount. And this is the way when we remove the idea of accountability and we remove the idea of judgment, the hearts of men are wicked. And the sinful nature of men gives full vent. We need to put in front of people that there is coming a day. Here's, what, here's the way Paul put it in Acts 17.31. He has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has raised from the dead. He has fixed a day. Now, the thing... The beauty of this is that in God's judgment, He has also prepared a way to escape that judgment. With Just as in Noah's day, He said, Noah, I want you to build an ark. 
I want you to come in. I do not want you to be judged. I do not want your family to be judged. I want to invite you in to come to me in safety and in security. Now that is the invitation that God gives to us today. That he says that in Jesus Christ is our ark of safety. Now let me just give you the rest of my time and talk about how is the ark, coming into the ark, like coming to Christ? What is the, how do we apply this to coming to Christ? Well, when you, in Noah's day, you would go into the ark. In the same way, you are said to be, when you come to Christ, you are said to be in him. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 2. Paul describes his, he said, he said, I am a man in Christ. In Christ. Colossians 3, 3. Your life, is hid with Christ in God. Just as in Noah's day, Noah and his family and those who came into the ark, their lives were hid in the ark with God. So he says, our lives, Colossians 3.3, is hid with Christ in God. In Psalm 32.7, You are my hiding place, and you will preserve me from trouble. So the invitation is, and the the picture of the ark is, that just as the ark protected them from from the judgments of the flood of waters that came on the earth, so in that judgment day that is coming, Jesus Christ is an ark of safety, and we can be in him so that on that day we're safe in Jesus Christ. Um, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 14, make yourself in in the ark of of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and out with pitch. The word cover there is the Hebrew word kippur. We get get the uh, Jewish holiday Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement from that. It's literally make rooms and atone it inside and out. He is, they are literally hiding within an atonement. <laughs> so the ark covered or atoned for uh, is a hiding place for Noah, and Christ is our hiding place. A second likeness that we can draw from the ark is that when they came into the ark, they had to believe a message about things they had never seen before. Hebrews 11.7 says, By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events not yet seen. See, here was the message. God said, Noah, I want you to build an ark because I'm going to send a flood that will cover the earth. And And Noah would have thought, Okay, but what is a flood? I have never seen a flood. I have never read of a flood. In fact, it is probable that Noah had never even seen rain because the earth was watered with dew. So when Noah starts telling people there's coming a flood, you have to get in the ark, people would have said, what? I never heard of that. What do you mean by that? 
There's a day of judgment. God's going to, because the earth is full of violence and it grieves God that he has made man. He's going to begin a new creation. You must come into the ark to be part of the new creation. I've been, I've, I'm 50 years old and I've never heard anybody talk like that. Somebody could have said, I'm 80 years old, I'm 100 years old. I've never heard so, of a flood. What are you talking about? See, in order to enter the ark, they had to put aside the criteria of their own experience in order to have faith to believe and the experience of all their family. Because they'll somebody hears Noah talking about a flood, first thing they do, they go home and talk to mom. Have you ever heard of anything like that? I've never heard of that. Quit going down there and listen to him. He's messing you up. In 2 Peter 2.5, it says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So you have to believe a message about things. Yes, there is this right, there's this standard, but there's a judgment that's coming where we'll be account for that. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 37. As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and getting married and giving away in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. What were they doing? They were... Doing routine things. What they did every day, what they did every June, they get married. What they do every January, they get divorced. <laughs> so you can get married again. And it was just a mundane, the cycle of events, of the routine of daily life. And boom, one day was totally different from all the other days. See, that's the day you have to believe is coming. The day you have not experienced before. That tomorrow may not be like today. It may be something you've never seen before. Nor have your friends and family. And it seems like, according to Jesus' words, that they were somewhat happy and content they were marrying, giving in marriage, and eating and drinking, going out to eat. They seemed to be pretty happy. And, and in order to believe this message, you have to have a faith that this, this happy, contented, familiar, and comfortable life is going to come to an end. And then I'm going to stand before God and give an account. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews says that it is appointed unto man once to die and after that, judgment. A third likeness is that the ark seemed foolish to the majority. The majority of people. Um, I would not trust in the majority 
in order to protect myself for the future. Because I am sure that people listened to Noah as he preached for, I don't know, years and years and years. And nobody was listening. And so they took comfort in the fact that the majority of people were not listening. That is a false security, my friend. That is a false security when you, when you look around and nobody is buying it. Truth is not always popular. So the ark seemed foolish to the majority. If you, if you accepted Noah's message, you would almost certainly be subject to ridicule. Number four, the ark was a place of salvation and full provision. Look at chapter 6 of Genesis, verse 21. Noah, God told Noah, take with you into the ark, take with you every kind of food that is eaten and store it up. It will serve as food for you and for them. That is the household. God told Noah, here's something I want you to do. See, the ark is a type of picture of Christ. He said, I want you to take every kind of food there is to eat and store it in the ark. Because in the ark, you're not only going to find salvation from the judgment that's coming, but you're going to find full provision for your physical necessities. So what I want to say to you today is this, that when you come to Jesus, I know that people come to the Lord Jesus Christ and they're coming for forgiveness. They're coming for salvation from judgment. But I want to tell you something you may not know. When you come for salvation, you're going to find that in Jesus Christ and the Father's heart and love is everything you will need. You have promises for every need in your life. And He will provide as well as save. If He's going to redeem you, why would He not provide for you? So you will find in Christ that there's suddenly the Father who loved you enough to save you from your sin also loved you enough to put food on your table. Amen. Now, it's Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and what? What's the promise? All these things will be added to you. See, seek first the ark to escape the judgment, and what do you get? And all these things will be added to you. Every kind of food. It looked like a, a, a 7-Eleven in there. Well, is that a good... Is that every kind of food? Myers, <laughs> Walmart combined. Conversely, those who say, I'm not going to seek salvation... I'm going to seek provision. I'm going to focus on my house, my car. I'm, I'm just really, my schedule is full. We've got, a, we've got new carpet coming. We've got, a, we've got paint to put on, new paint to put on. All my garden would be wasted if I go and find refuge in the ark. 
So I'm going to focus, uh, besides that, we're running to the mall, I've got to get a new dress or suit or something. And so I'm focused on all these things. Guess what? The flood comes and you lose all that. And refuge too. So that if you look for salvation in Christ, you get provision also. If you look for provision and external things, you lose both provision and external things and salvation too. That's why Satan loves to dangle the distractions of worldliness in front of you. A fifth likeness in coming to Christ is that the ark had one opening where where it looked upward. Look at Genesis chapter 6 verse 16. This is the King James Version. It says, make a window in the ark. Now, if you have an um, English Standard Version, it says, make a roof. Well, that seems a little strange since you know, it's okay, it's going to be our big rain. You know it's got to have a roof. But if you have a note there down, uh, my English Standard Version has says roof. Uh, It says, make a skylight. I couldn't figure this out. I was looking at how this Hebrew word is used in other places in in Scripture, and it's almost constantly used and translated as noonday. Make a noonday, which, how does that work? Here's what I think is happening here, that this Hebrew word that is used and why it's translated window in King James Version, means something like an opening that when the sun shines, you can open it up. If it's raining, you can close it. But it's something that is accessible to this open sky. But it's in the top. There were no windows in the side so that you can look out and see all the dying people and corruption of the world that is going on. You will not see the judgment. You would only be able to see and keep your eyes on heaven. Now, this is the way the Christian life is to be lived. This is, again, a figure for us because when you become a Christian, one of the things that you're to do is, as he puts it in Hebrews 12 too, Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We don't want to get too focused on how bad it is in the world. Because we can constantly look around, I mean, and we can listen to Rush Limbaugh and uh, Glenn Beck and just want to go out and shoot ourselves. We can read about the news accounts uh, in the corruption in Washington and what they're all doing there, and you want to go shoot somebody else. <laughs> um, but it's kind of like that policeman they said was went to help a guy who was standing on the Brooklyn Bridge ready to jump off and commit suicide, and the policeman comes and said, don't do it, it can't be that bad. And, and he said, tell me what the problems are. And the guy turned and started telling him. And after about 30 minutes, him and the policeman both jumped off. <laughs> but Colossians 3.1 says this, set your affections on things above 
where Christ sits at the right hand of the Father, not on things on the earth. There's where our affections and our attention and our focus is to be the glory of God, the beauty of the Savior, the rescue from heaven, the ransom of sinners. The Messiah has come. The kingdom is here. Hallelujah. There's what I'm going to focus on. And then a sixth likeness of the ark was the fact that it was the only way of salvation in Noah's day. Genesis 7, 18 and 19, the waters rose and increased greatly on the earth and the ark floated on the surface of the water. And they rose greatly on the earth and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. As the as the flood, as the rain came down and the deeps were broken up and the waters began to rise, then people would naturally migrate to the highest mountains. And then those mountains would be covered and finally the last two or three highest peaks in the world would be, people would just, the ones left, the surviving remnant would be there, huddled together in a mass but it says pathetically in Genesis 7, 19, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. There was no refuge in the earth except in the ark. There was nowhere to go under the entire heavens and that's why Acts 4.12 says there is salvation in no other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we may be saved. Jesus, the name of Jesus, let us flee to him, not casually and not softly, but, but hurriedly and passionately and urgently because there's no other place that we can be safe. A seventh thing that we would notice about the ark that helps us understand coming to Christ is in Genesis 7, verse 16. Genesis 7, verse 16. It says, And all those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God commanded them, and the Lord shut the door. The Lord shut him in. What does that tell us about Jesus Christ? When we come to Jesus Christ, that the Lord shut him in teaches a couple of things here. One, it teaches us that there is security in Jesus Christ. If the Lord shut the door, guess what? Revelation 3, 7, He that is holy and true and has the key of David, he that opens and no man shuts, and he shuts and no man opens. No one could open that door when the Lord shut it. I want to tell you, you don't open a door the Lord shut. And when the 
when everybody was in that was going to be in, that gives us a sense of security. The Lord shut the door. I'd rather have the Lord shut the door for security than have a guard in front of it or the best lock on it. When he shuts, Revelation 3, 7, no man opens. It also tells us, though, that God is sovereign as to the timing and and extension of mercy. Noah did not decide when the period or time for mercy was finished. It wasn't Noah that decided that. When the Lord shut the door, that means nobody's going to get in. Mercy is done, now it's judgment. Well, who decides that? And that is the Lord. And I don't think God told Noah. I think they, I don't even know, they, they may have finished the ark up and got in and then sat there for a while. <laughs> and that would have been awkward. So, Dad, how long are we going to stay in here? Noah's like, we got plenty of food. <laughs> but God shut the door. That means that it was God who decided that the time for preaching is over. He was a preacher of righteousness, according to 2 Peter 3. No more sermons. One day they heard Noah as they walked past on their way to the mall. Well, they heard, oh, there's old Noah. He's still preaching. How long has he been doing that? Oh, for years and years. And they did not know that that was the last sermon they would ever hear. God shut the door. On the way out of the early service this morning, a young lady told me of her friend's nephew who died yesterday. He was 29 years old. God shut the door. We do not shut those doors. That mercy and the extent of it, the degree of it, the timing of it is in the hands of a sovereign God. One final thing, and that is, this teaches us that we should pursue household salvation. Hebrews 11, verse 7, He prepared an ark, being moved with fear, He prepared an ark for the saving of His house. For the saving. Noah's motive was to save his house, his household, his family. That's why he built the ark. I mean, he, he was building it out of fear, but his, he was afraid for his family. He wanted all his children and, his, and their wives and grandchildren and whoever would come. He wanted his family. He was motivated by his family's need to escape the judgment of God. And there is nothing wrong with that, and we ought to pursue that. Acts 16.31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved and your household. To seize upon that. 
to say, Lord, I do not want to come by myself. I want my wife and my children and my grandchildren. I have, I have ten grandchildren. I'm going to baptize one of my grandsons this Wednesday night. I'm going to, my prayer is and hope and work and aim is to baptize all of them. To have them all in the ark so that when we stand on that day, my whole family will be there. Be the evangelist in your family. Psalm 103, 17, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear Him and His righteousness to their children's children. That's grandchildren. I'm sure there were some in that day who said, as he looked at Noah, they probably thought, and probably had various conversations over the years with Noah as he was building the ark. Noah, look, I, you know, I respect your opinion. You've got your way, I've got mine. A difference of opinion didn't save you. Sincerity didn't save them. I thought of this too. I thought there were, probably was a guy who told Noah, he said, I know, when, when I was younger, I used to get be involved in all that. I was into the violence and gangs and stuff, you know. And, but now I've stopped all my external obvious sins. Did you know repentance would not save you? Reformation would not save you? What would save you? Getting in the ark. Okay, so you were an alcoholic. Now you're no longer an alcoholic. But did you get in the ark? No. It's the ark that saves you. Get into the ark with a beer in your hand. <laughs> Amen? I would rather go to heaven with a beer in my hand than go to hell without one. <laughs> you can always tell when I'm done, my notes are... Now I'm, now I'm just making it up. <laughs> if you have not gone into the ark, I hope that you will, even this day, don't let this day go by until you have come into the Lord Jesus Christ, faith in Him. Paul writes in Philippians 3, he said, I make it my one thing to be found in Him on that day. Found in Him. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, grant to us this day faith to come to Jesus Christ, no matter what the ridicule of the world no matter what the majority may do, no matter what our past has been, may we find simple refuge in the mercies of our ark, the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.